Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. Today we're going to be looking at an example of suffering that has been suffered by a Christian in our culture. Our church, over the last several months, was working through the book of 1 Peter in our Sunday morning sermon series, and we finished it about two weeks ago. And the main theme of the book of 1 Peter is that believers need to stand firm on God's truth, and they need to stand firm on God's truth especially when and in spite of the suffering that they will endure for taking a stand on God's truth. Peter was writing his book to encourage believers to endure suffering on behalf of Christ, even though even though the suffering could possibly be alleviated if they would compromise on God's truth. And so when Peter was writing, He was writing to a group of people who were fearful about the various uh, challenges and sufferings that they would face and experience due to their commitment to Christ and to His Word. And one of the reasons that we preach this book of 1 Peter is that we see as pastors, I'm speaking now in the we, that's myself and the other pastors here at the Grace Brethren Chapel, we see a looming wave of persecution coming for Christians in America. As Christians hold fast to real biblical truths and real biblical principles, there will be an increasing uh, torrent of persecution that will rain down upon us. Now, I'm not saying this to be all doom and gloom. I'm not saying this to... um, make you scared or afraid. I'm, I'm saying this in the same way that Peter wrote to his audience to say this, look to Christ and stand firm on Christ's Word. Look to Christ and stand firm on Christ's Word. That's, that's what we need to do. We, we know that if we are a Christian, Christ has promised that we will suffer on account of him, and we should have the attitude that Peter and James and John did, or I'm sorry, that Peter and John did, in Acts chapter 5, when they were persecuted for preaching the gospel, they went away rejoicing. Their persecution wasn't merely just being canceled on social media, and it wasn't being called names on social media. Their persecution was an actual, literal flogging. They were dragged before the authorities in Acts chapter 5. They were told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, And yet they did that. They continued to preach in the name of Jesus. And so they were taken back in front of the authorities and they were flogged with leather whips. And they were told, do not preach in this name. And what happened? They rejoiced that they were worthy of receiving persecution. Now, I know that in our ultra-sensitive times, in our very, I would say, effeminate culture, a culture that's based on feelings and making sure that everybody feels good all the time, that it, it's, it's almost hard to comprehend the fact that somebody would be whipped for their stance on Christ. But it's true, and if it was true in 
the days right after Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, we can look at history and see that it was true, or that severity of persecution was true at other points in history. We know that that type of persecution is happening in other portions of the world today. We should not be so naive to think that that kind of persecution cannot come to America. And the stage for this type of persecution to come to America is already being prepared in our national media, in what our culture as a whole affirms to be right and wrong, in what our culture considers to be the quote-unquote sacred cows that are unable to be sacrificed. And those things that the culture right now and the national media right now and the uh, elite athletes, the elite and famous movie stars, the elite and famous politicians, those sacred cows that these individuals all worship, those sacred cows revolve around the issue of sex and sexuality and promoting a version of sex and sexuality that is anti-biblical. It is an anti-biblical perspective on sex, on gender, that is being promoted and um, held up as the highest and most truest form of personal expression. And if you or I or anyone else should speak against these, how shall I say it nicely, sexual perversions, if anyone should speak against these sexual perversions and say that they're wrong or say that they don't agree with them, that person becomes an immediate target for persecution from the media, from Hollywood elites, from political leaders, and anybody else who feels like they need to jump on the bandwagon and uh, metaphorically flog the person who would dare to propose a biblical and God-honoring worldview of sex and sexuality. So all of this introduction leads me into the main topic of today's podcast, which is um, an actress by the name of Candace Cameron Burr. She is most well-known for playing DJ Tanner on the series Full House in the like late 80s and early 90s. And then she reprised the role as DJ Tanner in the mid-2015s, maybe 2015 to 2018, something like that, uh, when Netflix did a reprisal of the series and called it Fuller House. So Candace Cameron Burr is the sister of Kirk Cameron, um, they are brother and sister acting duo. Kirk is uh, unashamedly and unabashedly Christian. His sister appears to not have uh, converted to Christianity as quickly as he did, but she she is a convert and uh, has been a convert to Christ for, for many, many years. As far as I could determine, probably 20 years she's been a convert to Christ. Um, she's outspoken maybe not quite as much as her brother Kirk, but she is very vocal about her faith in Christ, and she actually lives out the values that somebody who professes faith in Christ should live. She is a huge proponent for traditional marriage. She is a huge proponent for saving intimacy until marriage. She's a a large proponent for um, protecting life. That would be um, anti-abortion, so she is not a, a, a pro-choice 
person. She is a pro-life person. And I, I bring all these things up because a lot of times we we hear celebrities, whether they're musicians or movie stars or politicians uh, or athletes, and they say that they have a Christian testimony or they say they make a profession of faith in Christ. But then when you look at their life over a span of years, you say, hmm, I don't think that this lifestyle is consistent. The fruit that I see in this life is not consistent with what I would think that, you know, are basic truths and basic characteristics that a a Christian should manifest in their life. Now, I'm not saying that Christians are perfect. We all know that Christians sin. Christians still need repentance. That's why 1 John 1.9 is one of the most um, encouraging verses for Christians. If we confess our sins, God the Father is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you become sinless. It, it means that you have accepted God's offer of a Savior to pay the price for your sins. He is an intermediary. He stands between you and the Father. And Jesus himself, uh, by paying the price for your sins on the cross of Calvary, and, and my sins, and the sins of every person who's ever lived, by paying that price, all who would believe in him and trust in him can have the forgiveness that is a free gift of God. It is offered freely. And, and so there are many people who are famous or well-known who make some kind of profession of faith, but they just, they, they don't have the fruit in their life that would say, yeah, I am, I'm consistently a Christian. I, I'll give you a good example, okay? And I don't know what you think about this individual. His name is Kanye West. Whether you think that he made a profession in Christ to, I don't know why. You know, I, I don't know a lot about him. I followed him in the media, um, not really before he was a, made a profession of faith, because I didn't really listen to his music or agree with what he promoted. But but a few a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago now, he made a profession of faith in Christ. And so I've just watched him, and I've just watched the fruit, watched what he says. I don't know much about him, but it's hard for me, after listening to some of the things that he says, it's hard for me, after watching some of his behavior, it's hard for me to... Um, to believe his profession of faith. Now, uh, all that to say, you know, I don't know him personally. I'll never meet him. I'll never get a chance to shepherd him. Most likely, I'm, he's not going to come to my church and become my sheep. Uh, I'm not going to be able to shepherd him. Maybe he is growing in his faith. I don't know. But you can look at a guy's life or a, a, a woman's life and say, hmm, yeah, it really seems like they're growing. And Candace Cameron Burr is that kind of lady who says that she's a Christian and then has actually taken stances over a long period of time that would lead you to believe, yes, this this woman is a sincere believer in Jesus Christ. She reads the same Bible that I do. She's trying to grow in the same virtues that I'm trying to grow in. She comes across as humble, likable, uh, appropriately self-deprecating. Um, she's willing to kind of make fun of some of the just messier parts of life because we're all trying to work through figuring out how to parent, how to be a good spouse to our to our spouse. Um, so, so in just watching her over the years, 
it seems to me that she certainly is a Christian. And I think that's important to establish because what she says uh, is, is definitely a very Christian view, or what she has said, let me say it that way, what she has said that has gotten her into hot water with the cultural elites of our day is certainly a Christian point of view, and I think that she's willing to suffer the indignities that she's suffering because her love and devotion to Christ is greater than her love for likes on Instagram or her ability to get kudos from her um, co-workers and colleagues in Hollywood and the music industry or any of these other places. Recently, in early November, the Wall Street Journal magazine came out with an interview from Candace Cameron Burr, and it talked about her career transition. She left the Hallmark Channel, where she had been a major star for many, many years, I believe since 2008, if I'm remembering the article correctly. She left the Hallmark Channel um, maybe about a year ago, and she joined a network called The Great American Family. And this network or this theater production group called The Great American Family is focused on providing traditional perspectives on life, relationships, marriage, and family. Okay, and so in, in this interview that she did with the Wall Street Journal, she says, she says this, okay? She says, my heart wants to tell stories that have more meaning and purpose and depth behind them. I knew that the people behind Great American Family were Christians that loved the Lord and wanted to promote faith programming and good family entertainment. I think that Great American Family will keep traditional marriage at the core. Okay, this is a quote that I took from the Wall Street Journal article, okay? Um, I actually took two paragraphs and just kind of condensed them down into one. There was some other text in between there that was editorial text from the Wall Street Journal. But these are the things that she said, okay? I knew that the people behind the Great American Family were Christians that loved the Lord and wanted to promote faith programming and good family entertainment. She was then asked about, you know, the types of families that will be portrayed— on the Great American Family Network. And here's what her answer was. I think the Great American Family will keep traditional marriage at the core. That's all she said. She did not say anything negative about gay marriage, lesbian marriage, transsexual marriage. She didn't say anything negative about um, the LGBTQ lifestyle. She didn't even say anything negative about the rampant fornication that happens amongst heterosexuals in the secular world. All she said is, I think that the great American family will keep traditional marriage at the core. And you can imagine that her affirmation of God's view on marriage, it's just her affirmation of God's view on marriage. She didn't even call these other things out as sin. It was just her affirmation on God's perspective on marriage. That affirmation caused an incredible firestorm for her in the media. And so I think that Candace Cameron Burr is suffering for Christ because of her viewpoint and her willingness to publicly pronounce that there is a right perspective on marriage and there is a wrong perspective on marriage. So she didn't have to call out 
homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, or fornication. She didn't have to call those out as sin. By stating what is absolutely true, by stating what is the biblical standard, that immediately lets everybody else know that their sexual deviancy is wrong. See, she stated it in such a positive way that nobody could say, well, you're, um, you're hating on us. But they did, okay? They shouldn't be able to do that, but they did, because all they know how to do is to make ad hominem arguments. That means attacks against the person. So, so the number of attacks that came out against Candace Cameron Burr were many and were from a variety of sources, um, some in the music industry, some in the movie industry, some in the political sphere. And uh, all these people, of course, were convicted, I think, I think they were convicted by her strong stance on what God says that marriage is. Now, before I read you some of the critiques, some of the backlash that she has received, some of the suffering that has uh, that she has endured because of the sharp words of her contemporaries. Before I read you those things, let me read you again her statement, and then I'm going to read you what Jesus says. Okay, I'll re- let's see what Jesus has to say about this issue. She said this, I think that great American family will keep traditional marriage at its core. Okay, that's, that's what she said. Now, Jesus was asked about divorce. And in Matthew chapter 19, he gave an answer concerning divorce. And here's what he said. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together let no man separate. Notice, what does Jesus say? That one man and one woman who come together become one flesh. They are no longer two, but they are one. And who is the one who instituted this union? It is God himself. Verse 6, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. This is Matthew 19, in case I didn't already say that. Jesus speaks affirmatively about what God designed. He says nothing against homosexual marriage, nothing against lesbian marriage, nothing against adultery, nothing against transgenderism, nothing against um, fornication. But what he does say positively is something that convicts everybody who would affirm all those sinful behaviors. He says, God has established the way that a man and a woman relate to one another in a union. And God has said that it is one man, one woman, who come together, and they are together for life. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And so if you want to practice something differently than that, if you are practicing something differently than that, you should be convicted to your core. You should be convicted by the positive statement of truth. And so Jesus and Candace Cameron Burr said the exact same thing. And guess what? Candace Cameron Burr is being mocked and ridiculed. And Jesus also was mocked and ridiculed by the religious leaders of his day. You see, in Jesus's case, the religious leaders wanted a reason to divorce their wives for whatever reason they wanted. 
They wanted a no-fault, no-questions-asked divorce. And Jesus said, it's not that way. It's not that way. That's not how God created marriage to be. So here is a here is a positive thing that we can learn from this particular situation, from both the way that Candace Cameron Burr phrased this and the way that Jesus phrased this. We don't have to say that we are against something. We don't have to say lesbianism is sin, homosexuality is sin, fornication is sin, adultery is sin. We don't have to say those things. We can, but we don't have to. What we can say is God designed marriage to be this way. These are the parameters. That's a very positive and encouraging statement. And when you frame something in a positive way, people know what you are for, okay? People know what you're for. I am for traditional marriage. What's traditional marriage? It's a union between a man and a woman, and that union should remain for life. That's that's it. Okay, now, let me give a little caveat in here, because I don't know, you know, who all is going to listen. I know that in Matthew 19, Jesus gives one exception for divorce, and that is adultery. If one spouse continues to commit adultery or commits adultery, and then the other spouse is free to leave, free to divorce them. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, there's another exception given for uh, adult for divorce, which is the abandonment of um, one spouse by an unbelieving spouse. So, so there are two exceptions to allow divorce in the scriptures, and, and that is because God understands the sinfulness of mankind, and he, he recognizes that the innocent party should not be punished when they are sinned against. All right, so that's a little aside. Um, I could do a longer, uh, a longer podcast on that particular issue and why I take those particular positions. But there's a lot of information out there that's already been written about those particular things. So you can do your own research on that. Back to the issue at hand. When you say positively, I believe this, then automatically anything that is not what you've stated is incorrect or sinful. And that's exactly why the backlash against Candace Cameron Burr was so bad. Because people who live deviant lifestyles or don't fit into what she said or the lifestyle that she promoted, which is traditional marriage, which is God's view of marriage since he created man and he created woman and he obviously created the union, those people who do not fit that lifestyle were were immediately convicted by that. And so their response is, well, we're going to slam Candace Cameron Burr. And she, she, took her, she took her lumps, she suffered with grace, she bore it um, well, and I believe that she'll be rewarded in heaven for, her, for not backing down on what God says is the only proper way to practice marriage. Now, here, here's some of the backlash. Let me read this to you, okay? Uh, again, this comes from a Fox News article describing this conflict. Um, Burr's comments were called out by celebrities, including Hillary Burton, Jojo Siwa, and Burton's husband, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Now, I'm totally and, and almost entirely illiterate on celebrity culture, so I don't even know who those celebrities are, but apparently they're celebrities. Hillary Burton, a woman, slammed Burr Abbott and Great American Family, the network, as disgusting on Twitter. Here's what Hillary Burton says. Now they're just openly admitting their bigotry. 
I called this S out years ago when Abbott was at Hallmark, the One Tree Hill alum wrote. Glad they dumped him. Being LGBTQ isn't a quote-unquote trend. That guy and his network are disgusting. You too, Candy. There is nothing untraditional about same-sex couples. Okay? That's what she had to say in response to Candace Cameron Burr. And, you know, that that one statement right there would be enough to make some people fold and be like, you know what? Um, actually, I do think that um, people who are LGBTQ can practice their faith. They can be Christian. They can be married. They can... Um, you know, they can have all the benefits of marriage and still live with a, a partner of the same gender. Okay. Burton then added this. She's a bigot. I don't remember Jesus liking hypocrites like candy, but sure, make your money, honey. You ride that prejudice wave all the way to the bank. Okay. You know what? Jesus appropriately called out hypocrites, but Candace Cameron Burr is not a hypocrite because she said exactly what Jesus said about the issue of marriage. She's not a hypocrite. She's speaking the truth. This woman, Hillary Burton, cannot handle the truth because the truth reveals the darkness that is inside of her. Isn't that what Jesus said he came to do? I'm the light of the earth. I'm the light of the world. And men did not like the light because they love the darkness. And so when, when Candace says something that's exactly the same as what Jesus said, this person, Hillary Burton, would hate Jesus just as much as she hates Candace. Now, another celebrity, Jojo Siwa. I have no idea who this is. Apparently, she's 19. I had to read up on her. Um, I think she's a singer. Jojo Siwa came out as a lesbian in 2021. She shared her thoughts on an Instagram post. Here's what she said. Honestly, I can't believe after everything that went down just a few months ago that she would not only create a movie with the intention of excluding LGBTQIA+, but then also talk about it in the press. It's interesting. Candace Cameron Burr never said anything about excluding the LGBTQIA plus community. All she said it was she's going to make movies that promote traditional marriage. Hmm. She's talking about, Candace Cameron Burr is talking about doing something positively. And this lady, Jojo Siwa, interpreted that as, oh, it's, it's negative. She's purposefully excluding LGBTQIA plus people. Well, yeah. You know why you're being excluded? Because what you're doing is deviant sexual behavior, and she's not interested in promoting deviant sexual behavior. She doesn't have to say that your behavior is deviant. You recognize that it's deviant, and that's why you want her to affirm it so that you feel better about yourself. And this is a major problem that I have, and I think that Christians are going to have to be real honest about. A major problem that I have with uh, some in the evangelical community, is that they are looking to um, affirm sinful lifestyles with the hope of being winsome or cordial or friendly or opening up a dialogue. They are willing to affirm sinful lifestyles and to not stand on the truth. And they're doing this so that they don't get called out on Twitter, so that they don't get called out on Instagram, or they don't get called out on The View or some other show. Some Christians are having a real hard time just stating positively what the Bible says and letting it rest at that. 
Candace stated positively what the Bible said. She let it rest on that. She didn't say anything negative about anybody. In fact, she issued a follow-up statement after receiving a whole bunch of backlash regarding her comments. And here's what her, um, here's what her uh, follow-up response was. All of you know me. All of you who know me know beyond question that I have great love and affection for all people. It breaks my heart that anyone would ever think that I intentionally would want to offend or hurt anyone. It saddens me that the media is often seeking to divide us, even around a subject as comforting and merry as Christmas movies. But given the, to- but given the toxic climate in our culture right now, I shouldn't be surprised. We need Christmas more than ever. And I think she's right on this statement. I don't think this is an apology. I think she's right. I think, you know, she does have a genuine affection for people. She has a real love for those people who she encounters and works with in the movie industry, in the, in the music industry. And I think that her affection for them is the same as God's affection for them. She doesn't want to see them go to hell. I'm sure she would preach the gospel to them if she had the chance. And so she has a genuine affection for them. She's not trying to um, negatively berate somebody for their choice of sexual preference. All she is doing is pointing out the obvious. Hey, God designed this to work one way. And if you're not going to follow that, that's, that's not correct. Okay? She didn't even add what I added. She just said, God designed this. This is what I'm promoting. She didn't even add the, if you don't follow it, you're not correct. She didn't even add that. Look at what she goes on to say. I am a devoted Christian, which means that I believe that every human being bears the image of God. And because of that, I am called to love all people, and I do. If you know me, you know that I'm a person who loves fiercely and indiscriminately. My heart yearns to build bridges and bring people one step closer to God, to love others well, and to simply be a reflection of God's huge love for all of us. Look, it seems to me like she's not compromising. She's not taking it back. She's not saying, um, you know, I, I've, I've come to see the error of my ways. I think that I could be involved in something that doesn't promote traditional marriage. She didn't do that. She gave a actual response that is thoughtful, careful. It is loving, but it will not be accepted by these people because they hate God and they hate everything about God. In her response, she says, my heart yearns to build bridges and bring people one step closer to God. I mean, isn't that what we're called to do in making disciples? Go, therefore, and make disciples to all the nations. That means to every group of people. How do you do that? Well, it involves building relationships. It involves being able to communicate the gospel and the truths of God's word and who God is. And in this day and age, with such ignorance about our God, then you need even more time to talk about the the great power of the Creator, the majesty of our eternal and awesome God. You need time to communicate to people that He is holy, and people have sinned, and they have broken His law. And there's a consequence for that, but there's a solution, and the solution is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The verse that we looked at in Peter comes to the forefront of my mind. As I read through um, these articles about Candace, 1 Peter 4, 
12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Those are some powerful verses. And you know, Candace Cameron Burr, because she's popular, because she's a well-known actress, she is at the tip of the spear of this cultural battle. And she is already receiving the heat for this particular stance that she has taken on traditional marriage. I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that if you take the same stance as her, you will face the same types of suffering and persecution. So you need to decide. Will you suffer for Christ? Will you stand for truth? Or will you say whatever you need to say so that you can avoid angry tweets, the mean response of the mob, the disapproving stares of coworkers or even your boss? Will you suffer for Christ to the point that it hurts you financially? I think Candace is willing to. I don't know anything about the Great American Family Network, but I can say this. It's smaller than Hallmark. Her paycheck's not going to be as big. But she believes in something, and she's willing to follow her beliefs no matter what the cost. I think we should pray for her. I think we should pray that she stands firm, that she has more opportunities as a result of this position that she's taken on traditional marriage. And I think that we need to be mindful to pray for one another as believers that we would stand firm against the tide of coming persecution. We may not be able to turn back the tide. Nobody can turn back the ocean tide except God alone. We may not be able to turn back the tide, but we can certainly be prepared for the tide, and we can be ready to float when the tide comes. We can be ready to swim when the tide comes. We can be the examples for Christ that we are called to be as Christians. I hope that you're blessed and challenged by these words. I, I hope that you will consider carefully the cost for serving Christ, because my friends, it's going to become very costly very soon for many of us. 